WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community. Head to wrfi.org slash donate. This is WRFI Community Radio News for Friday, November 27, 2020. I'm Ned von Atterkass. And I'm Fred Balfour. After the headline news, you'll hear an interview of radical performers Reverend Billy Talon and the Church of Stop Shopping. They blend activism, music, and humor to trace the connections between the consumerist culture, climate crisis, and the coming shopocalypse. But first, here's the weather forecast, courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low in the upper 30s. Saturday, partly sunny with a high in the upper 40s. Saturday night, clear with a low in the low 30s. And looking to Sunday, sunny with a high in the mid-50s. That night, the low will be in the upper 30s. And now here's tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. In local news... A second COVID-19 testing center opened today in Tompkins County. The Ithaca Voice reports that Cayuga Health Systems is operating a sampling center at 412 North Cayuga Street on the property owned by Tompkins County. The hours of operation will be from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. The new center will operate as a walk-up and will use a different sampling process than that used at the drive-in center at the shops of Ithaca Mall. Patients will produce a saliva sample and then drop it off at the center. The saliva sample can be produced at the center, at home, or in one's car. There will be a limited appointments each day, which can be made on the, tele- the, on the website or by telephone. The website is cayugahealth.org, and the phone number is 607-319-5708. Again, to repeat, the website is cayugahealth.org, and the phone is 607 607- The new center will serve the local population that may not have access to transportation to the site at the shops at Ithaca Mall. Note that there is no patient parking available at the new Tioga Street site. Information on the payment policy on the new site is not yet available. Payment policy at the Ithaca Mall site has been free for Tompkins County residents and $99 for all other residents. Looking at the local COVID-19 caseload, the latest numbers released yesterday from the Tompkins County Health Department indicate that there are 25 additional positives and four new recoveries. According to the County Health Department, that leaves 154 active cases of COVID-19 in Tompkins. In Schuyler County, there are nine new cases of COVID-19 reported as of Wednesday, November 25th, leaving 41 active cases, according to their health department. The next COVID-19 dashboard update from the Schuyler Health Department will be on Monday, November 30th. The Ithaca City School District will continue to offer five-day in-person and distance learning for elementary school students for the first semester of the spring session. As of now, February 1st is the possible start date for ICSD to go back to school next year. 
The district is currently gathering feedback from students and their families about whether or not they would like to stick to the learning method they chose in August. A flyer that's been distributed to families details that the students who stay with the same mode of learning that they chose in August of this year would have the same teacher, classmates, schedule, and connection to the fall lessons. According to the Ithaca Voice, there were about 970 students enrolled in the distant learning program. About 1,300 pre-K to fifth grade students were enrolled in the five-day in-person learning program. The ICSD superintendent, Lavelle Brown, tells the Ithaca Voice that with the district's success of mitigating any spread of COVID-19 at the school, he doesn't anticipate major shifts in one way or the other. He also adds that he cannot guarantee that there will be no major changes before February 1st. As the fall semester gradually comes to a conclusion for both Ithaca College and Cornell University, both institutions have begun to reveal plans for the spring semester. The Ithaca Times reports that both IC and Cornell have moved to fully remote instruction for the rest of this semester. Ithaca College students will complete their semester on December 19th, while Cornell students finish on December 21st. Ithaca College will begin to welcome student-athletes back on the campus next year, starting on January 7th, followed by essential student workers on January 15th. General move-in will be spread out from January 19th to February 5th, and classes will begin February 9th. Dean of Students Bonnie Prunty states that all students will have a COVID test upon arrival and will be tested weekly after that. Spring move-in plans for Cornell University will be similar to those for fall semester, with students living on campus having an assigned date of arrival. Those students will need to comply with the New York State quarantine and testing requirements. Students who live off campus will have to self-quarantine for five days while awaiting two negative test results. All students will need to have required testing before being allowed to access campus facilities. Classes at Cornell will begin on February 8th and conclude on May 25th. The university has not yet announced whether there will be an in-person graduation after the conclusion of the academic year. There are no spring breaks built into the semester schedule for either the school. Instead, both IC and Cornell will have two separate two-day wellness breaks during which travel will be strongly discouraged. A monument recognizing the first white settlers in the Ithaca area has been removed from its original site in DeWitt Park and is now being stored at the Tompkins County History Center. WSKG News reports that members of the Executive Board of the History Center and other local historians are developing an exhibit for the monument. Those experts plan to display the plaque in the context of the museum. Benjamin Sandberg is the executive director of the Tompkins County History Center. He noted that when a monument is displayed in a park, people can view it, but have no way to further engage or learn more about it. He asserted that within the museum, visitors can learn more about the lives and cultures of the people that lived in the area when the white settlers arrived. There is no set date for when the monument will be placed on display, but Sandberg states that the staff at the museum plan to develop a mechanism for visits to be able to record their thoughts about the exhibit. The Finger Lakes chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals has recognized Tompkins Financial, as reported by Tompkins Weekly. Greg Hartz, president and CEO of Tompkins Trust Company, received the Corporate Philanthropist of the Year Award on behalf of the company 
at a virtual awards ceremony held on November 13th. Michelle Cotonar, executive director of the Science Center, nominated Tompkins Financial for the award, stating that the company supports many community organizations. Tompkins Financial has a history of supporting a variety of nonprofits, charities, and civic organizations in the Finger Lakes region. Numerous employees of the company regularly volunteer for local nonprofits, and many serve on the boards of local organizations. For city and county residents, if your curbside trash and or recycle pickup is normally done Friday, pickup will be tomorrow on Saturday. PCAT buses will run tomorrow on a modified schedule for the holiday. On Sunday, the bus will start its winter schedule. All bus schedules can be found on the TCAT website, tcatbus.com. Again, that website is tcatbus.com. In New York State news, this week the U.S. Supreme Court ruled against the New York governor's executive order limiting the size of religious services in zones of the state seeing high community spread. The decision handed down by the court was made in a 5-4 vote, reports the Albany Times Union. In a press conference Thursday, Governor Andrew Cuomo said that the Supreme Court was making a political statement in shooting down his order. Of the nine justices, six are conservative. However, the governor says that the decision, quote, isn't final, unquote, and that the case will go back to the U.S. Second Court of Appeals. He adds that the case is now moot because the religious organizations that challenge the order are no longer in the orange and red zones for COVID-19 spread. Owners of cross-country ski centers, as well as downhill ski resort operators, indicate that skiers are already inquiring about the winter season the Albany Times Union reports. Ski area operators do warn future visitors that occupancy of base lodges will be limited due to the physical distancing requirements, but the owners of cross-country centers and downhill skiing resorts are expecting a boom year as travelers putting off summer vacations are looking for winter recreation. Walter Kirsch, owner of the Pine Ridge Cross-Country Ski Area, told the Times Union that calls for children's rentals and season passes are already coming in. Dwayne Spitzer, manager of Garnet Hill Lodge and Ski Center in the Adirondacks, says that he's getting a lot of phone calls too. Reese Brown, director of the Cross-Country Ski Areas Association based in Woodstock, Vermont, notes that his industry is preparing for a huge season. He adds that people are looking for ways to break free from their computer. As long as there's snow nearby, cross-country skiers can very easily get outdoors and onto a nearby trail. In national news, while high pollution often is found in black and brown communities, a new poll shows that many white Americans aren't aware of this gap. Diane Bernard of the Public News Service reports. While high pollution often is found in black and brown communities, a new poll shows that many white Americans aren't aware of this gap. In Virginia, the majority-minority area of Charles City County already is home to a landfill with plans to build two frack gas-fired power plants. Faith Harris with Virginia Interfaith Power and Light says many white Virginians don't know about the environmental struggles in the county because of segregation and lack of education. She says the power plants pose a perfect 
storm of pollution for a historically African-American community. This community is way overburdened with these air quality issues as well as possible water quality issues because of the pollution that would come from all of this concentrated industry. The national poll conducted by the Environmental Defense Fund shows that 60 percent of black respondents say they're very concerned about air pollution in their communities versus 32 percent of white respondents. The survey also found that 51 percent of black people and 48 percent of Latinos polled think environmental injustice is a major problem in the United States, according to Elise Nelson-Leary with the EDF. Yet only 33 percent of Caucasian respondents agree. We wanted to use this poll to get a pulse of how people were seeing these issues. And so this poll really, again, was to collect that data and to really understand how we can better talk about environmental justice. The poll shows black and Latino respondents also are more concerned about climate change and its impact on the economy than our Caucasian respondents. Almost 70 percent of black and Latino respondents say climate change is a major problem compared with 51 percent of white people, a 14-point difference. For Public News Service, I'm Diane Bernard. The nation's clean energy industry has been hit hard by the pandemic's economic downturn, and a new report urges policymakers to target stimulus funding to revive the once-thriving sector. Again, we turn to Diane Bernard of the Public News Service. The nation's clean energy industry has been hit hard by the pandemic's economic downturn, and a new report is urging policymakers to target stimulus funding to revive the once-thriving sector. In West Virginia, before COVID-19 struck, the state had 7,100 clean energy jobs, according to Pat Stanton with E4 The Future, which put out the report along with environmental group E2. Now that number is down to about 6,000, a 13.5% decline. Stanton says that in a state where fossil fuel jobs in mining have fallen for years, energy efficiency jobs represent future growth. A very significant portion of the energy efficiency workers in West Virginia are over 55. That means that over the next decade, it's likely that there will be a lot of turnover. That means a lot of new openings for folks who are already in the industry to move up and for people to enter. The report shows that almost 400,000 clean energy workers nationwide have lost their jobs during the pandemic. The industry employed almost 2.4 million before March. Stanton points out that during the Great Recession, investments in clean energy jobs led the way to economic recovery. She thinks this could happen again if Congress would pass a stimulus package that earmarks money for energy efficiency companies. One of the big benefits of investing in energy efficiency is you can get private investment to pay for part of the work because energy savings can be used to pay off the loans. So it can be leveraged. We can get a lot of people to work. The report shows that clean energy jobs in the U.S. grew 2.3% in 2019, about twice the rate of nationwide employment growth. Until the pandemic, nine states saw these jobs increase by more than 4%, including New Mexico, Nevada, and Colorado. For Public News Service, I'm Diane Bernard. That concludes our headline news for tonight. Coming up, an interview with radical performer Reverend Billy Callen. That's after the break on WRFI Community Radio News. Stay with us.
Gratitude by Reverend Billy Tallon, and this is WRFI Community Radio News. I'm Ed Von Atterkass. And I'm Fred Balfour. It's Black Friday, and as the coronavirus spikes around the country, retailers closely watch holiday spending. Radical performers Reverend Billy Tallon and the Church of Stop Shopping blend activism, music, and humor to trace the connections between consumerist culture climate crisis, and the coming shopocalypse. Reverend Billy Radio, Preacher for the Planet, makes its debut at noon tomorrow on WRFI. Here's contributor and general manager Felix Teitelbaum to ask the Reverend about shopping, activism, and the end of the world. Reverend Billy, you are of the Church of Stop Shopping, and Black Friday is a big day. What what are you and the Church of Stop Shopping up against with uh, Black Friday? Well, Black Friday is supposedly the 24-hour period in which the big retail companies go into the black, become profitable. Well, for years in New York City, we were the representatives of the Buy Nothing Day uh, ritual. We would lead marches through Times Square and Fifth Avenue and (laughs) some of the shopping districts and uh, sing songs, and then take people into particular corporations that were um, on our bad behavior list, like Disney and uh, The Gap and the sweatshop companies, you know. Uh, So we did that for years. And and then by nothing day, um, I guess we – I guess we lost. We lost (laughs) – we lost the war. People are still uh, buying things all the time. Yes. We are still a consumer society. 70% of our economy is, is, is consumerized. And that is why we've had – one of the reasons why we've had so much difficulty getting out of the fossil fuel and plastics and the retail-heavy economy is also um, very much about the fossil fuel. So as environmentalists, we – keep butting our heads against what really is the fundamentalist religion of the United States. You know, we we buy to stuff a hole in our soul with something. We buy to not be lonely. We buy to satisfy the promises of all those ads, Felix, which I know that you personally are very, very vulnerable to as well. That's why you need to talk to the preacher, confess. The promise of looks and wealth and status and eternal youth and all the rest of it that inundates us all day long, that keeps us in fossil fuel. Right. And so you and uh, your choir and your church provide a joyful moment of resistance to, to that culture. Yes. In, in the world of environmental action... After 20 years, we continue to be fairly alone in our basic take <laughs> on, on protest, on civil disobedience. We think that you really have to listen to the civil rights movement, and you really have to listen to ACT UP. Now, the civil rights movement and ACT UP, by our measure, is the gold standard. They are the gold standard of, of protest. They changed us and they had in their work 
lots of music. We feel you've got to not just disapprove of the marketing departments coming at us from the corporations. You've also got to compete with them. <laughs> you've got to you've got to turn people's heads right. and say, pay attention to us for this reason, because we're singing at you in six part harmonies. Hallelujah, people. Hallelujah. <laughs> give me my tents. Give me my pulpit. Throw some sawdust down on the floor. So there's a little bit of show business than in drawing people to the cause. I think that we can say in our press releases, award-winning, yes, yes. So what are the elements of your program that listeners can expect tomorrow? Well, uh, a hero of the Finger Lakes region, Sierra Carrera, is uh, one of the voices that you'll hear when, you, when in the course of Reverend Billy Radio, Preacher for the Planet, Preaching for the Planet. And between the preachings... You've got the music, and um, Sierra, your um, native daughter, is uh, very much present, a great voice. In the show that you'll hear tomorrow, you'll hear the song, the gratitude song, of course. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and, uh, and another song you hear is the end of the world. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. It's a kind of joyful take on <laughs> on the apocalypse, Felix. Yeah, that's what you should do when you when you're feeling down. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking with the Reverend Billy Talon. His program, Reverend Billy Radio, Preacher for the Planet, debuts tomorrow uh, at noon on this very station. The coronavirus, of course, is on everyone's mind and. I think it can occupy people's imagination in such a way that we might forget about some of the other crises that that we're facing uh, as a as a planet full of people. The superstorms we have like a couple dozen of them now coming out of the South Atlantic this year, and of course the unprecedented wildfires in the West and the and the virus. I guess those would be the big three. This is the Earth expressing herself, talking to us. So we believe in the Church of Stop Shopping that the the evolutionary struggle that we're a part of right now, that we should be a part, a positive part of it. It bears on, you know, goes back to the rest of our conversation today, Felix. Hmm. Um, saying that something's bad and rejecting it and being afraid of it or hating it or trying to dominate it or trying to escape it. Uh, uh, no, look, it, it's real. This evolution is real. Um, so let's, let's be creative enough to – we're not going to be creative at all unless we turn to it and, and say to it and say to ourselves, this is real. I know this is happening. The earth hasn't been speaking to us this directly um, for a long time. Anne and Paul Ehrlich – Said in a recent thing that I read, they said, to survive, evidence indicates there is the need for a quasi-religious transformation of cultural values. I think that's true, and that's in Church of Stuff Shopping, with all the humor and the music, we are ultimately a, a um, kind of quasi-religious or post-religious kind of earth church. 
And we, we have we because we know that that's that word transformation. We have to go from the chrysalis to the butterfly. We have to go to an, a form that we would not recognize right now, that we can't take out of a book right now. We have a lot of brilliant writers and makers of documentaries and so forth. We have a, a many brilliant earth talkers, you know. Mm. You know, Dr. Steingraber from, from the Finger Lakes. We have, we have, we have marvelous people uh, working on this with us. And uh, ultimately, these brilliant visionaries can only take us so far. Ultimately, we have something we have to do that, that is alone. And maybe we, could, maybe we can jump off that cliff holding the hand of a loved one. But it's, it's basically we have to learn to fly again. It's an evolutionary thing. And we have to grow wings before we hit the rocks, before we fall too far. But there is that weightless sensation. It's a strange sensation. And I would say that really when we evolve socially, which is what we have to do right now, we have to do something much stranger than the environmental movement. When we evolve socially, there is a strangeness. And we forget that. We look back at ACT UP from where we are right now. We look back at the civil rights movement and the peace movement, and the labor movement, and abolishing slavery. We look back at those movements, and we forget how strange they were then, how, how weightless those people felt. They were, they were giving us the gift of invention, of creativity. Of, of, you see, I don't have the words for it, because it's beyond the silent E at the end of the word change. It's out there. And so is this what you do with your radio program? Uh, you're, you're hoping to transform our listeners. I'm like all the others. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's responsible right now as an environmentalist to, to acknowledge that things have to happen that we can't quite describe very well uh, right now. We can't, we don't, we don't have an, we're, we can't order it up. We can't phone it in. The earth is speaking to us in a language that we haven't understood for hundreds of years. In the carbon era, we have been ashamed of the earth. The sophistication that we've built has been built on the protection of the burning of carbon. That, is, that has been a through line to our idea of sophisticated culture. We have to let go of that. You know, the old idea of being an uptown liberal doesn't work anymore. Not an option anymore. Got to go farther. That's that free like, fall. like that sign on the front of the Mary Prankster's bus, further, spelled F-U-R-T-H-U-R. And that's the free fall that you're talking about. We need to... Yeah, yeah, it's flight, it's falling, it's flight, it's losing your balance to get your balance. It's, it's more, it's, it's beyond. The earth is speaking to us. You know, the great, the great spirit is in full motion. I, I'm blessed to have gone to Standing Rock... Um, when I saw the uh, the practice of of speaking with the earth and having the earth come through the activists and come into the present tense and confront people, traumatized men who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, who got hired by the oil companies, you know, I got to see the ancient with with the present moment in a special way there. But it, it it starts with doing stuff that feels powerless. It starts with talking to the earth and doing things that feels vaguely embarrassing. But ultimately, ultimately, you have to let the earth's power come back into you. 
And that is that is your ancestors, and that is your children's 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 children. Um, that is having arrive in your soul all kinds of things that the carbon kept away. And that language will come back to us. I think it's in the music. I think it's in... I think it's in our love making. I think it's in a lot of the earth is in us. We're made of the earth. We're made of the materials of the earth. Well, I've been speaking with the Reverend Billy Talon of the Church of Stop Shopping, the choir of Stop Shopping, <laughs> and of Reverend Billy Radio, Preacher for the Planet, which debuts tomorrow at noon on WRFI. Billy, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Oh, I just feel your presence, and I appreciate you listening. Thank you for being with Felix and I here as we're, we're shouting into the abyss at the edge of that cliff, hoping to fly. And I, I just, Earth Alluvia, I just want to thank the Earth for blessing us in our attempts to have a post-carbon conversation. Earth Alluvia. Earth Alleluia. Love Alleluia. Change Alleluia. And Thank you, it. everybody. Thank you, Billy. And that will do it for our program today. The headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI contributors Esther Rakuzin, Michaela Savitt, and me, Fred Belfour. Esther and Michaela edited today's news items, and today's feature producer was WRFI General Manager Felix Teitelbaum. Fred Balfour was my co-anchor today, and I'm Edwin Anarkas. WRFI News Director Michaela Sabat is the executive producer for our program. We'll be back Monday night at 6. On behalf of the entire WRFI News team, take care, be well, and have a good evening. You're listening to WRFI, Watkins Glen, Ithaca. One, two, three. WRFI. WRFI.